0: welcome to the peter king podcast it's another week where you really are not sure what exactly to talk about real football or the real pandemic so we're going to talk about both in the next 45 minutes or so i've got two very uh afc north centric yes on the podcast this week Lamar jackson the reigning national football league mvp and his coach for the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh. I talked to both of them over the weekend, wrote my column this week with the lead on the Ravens, because occasionally I would really like to write and discuss football. But you'll hear from them. I think you'll really enjoy their conversation. So I want to talk for a couple of minutes first, just about sort of the state of play in the NFL uh, as I record this late on Tuesday, August 4th. You'll start listening to this on Wednesday, August five, as teams are getting into uh, strength and conditioning and walkthrough practices in training camp as we are now five weeks away from the start of the NFL regular season. But, I think the news in the last four or five days uh, about players and coaches has been centered on three people who have been put on the COVID list. Two starting quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions, Gardner Minshew of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Super Bowl champion head coach Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I bring up these three people. Because as we sit here today and we start to think about what football is really going to be like in 2020, I think it is a pipe dream to think that when we get closer to the regular season, that the positive tests are going to start, or are going to stop it, rather. And I just don't think that's the case. I think the positive tests are going to continue because the NFL, as everybody knows, has chosen to not go in a bubble. I think a bubble, by the way, is just impossible for the NFL. You can't ask um, 180 people per team to say goodbye to their families for five months. And again, I'm not saying that, that it, it it isn't possible. I'm saying that I think it would be impractical because so many players, probably four or five times the amount who have opted out, um, would choose to opt out, including some very wealthy players, and I would assume some quarterbacks. So we're not going to have that same kind of bubble situation. But I bring up Stafford. Let's talk about the players first. Stafford uh, and Gardner Minshew. Very interesting what the Detroit Lions announced on Tuesday afternoon. Um, And I'm going to read three sentences. From the Detroit Lions release. Today we removed Matthew Stafford from the COVID IR list and onto the active roster. As a result of a false positive test result, he was forced, due to NFL NFLPA protocols, to sit out until he received two negative tests. His testing sequence for the pre-entry period was negative, negative, false, positive. Then the next three tests were all negative. And anyway, you could tell in reading this release from the Detroit Lions, there was a little bit of an edge to it. Like our guy never, never really tested positive. He was a victim of a false positive. And if you do test positive, then you have to get two spaced out uh, negative tests before you're allowed to come back. So, and Gardner Minshew evidently although this was not announced by the Jaguars, he has returned from the part of the COVID IR program, the reserve COVID list, that basically says, if you, for 15 minutes or more, are within six feet of someone who tests positive, um, then you have to also, uh, you know, basically be sequestered until you test negative twice uh, for COVID-19. And the only reason I bring these things up is because this is what I believe is going to happen once the season starts. You know, quarterback X in the you know lead up to a big game is going to be told, by the way, we've got you for a positive test. And even if he has had zero positives, the whole year, and, you know, he doesn't think there's any way he could have really tested positive. He is going to be sidelined until he tests negative twice for it. We'd be fools, honestly, to think that this couldn't and probably won't happen during the regular season. So I have written this. I started writing about this in May. I just need you to prepare for an imperfect season. For a season that essentially is going to have a lot of unfair things happening to a team. Imagine if this happened in the first week of the regular season. <clears throat> Lions, Bears, and Matthew Stafford can't play. It might. Imagine this happens to the Bucks before they play the New Orleans Saints. And Tom Brady's got to go sit out. And so these are the things that are going to cause everybody to go bad crap but you just have to get used to because they will happen now doug peterson he's a different story he is asymptomatic but he tested positive positive. and even if you're asymptomatic and you test positive you have to be taken out uh you know away from any team activity and then you have to test negative twice and you're out for a while the point about Doug Peterson is, just imagine, he may have a very young play caller this year, Press Taylor. You know, We don't know what will happen if he doesn't call the plays, but it could be uh, his former quarterback coach, uh, Press Taylor. He's a very promising coach, but these are the things that we have to get used to for the 2020 season if there's going to be a 2020 season this is this is not just going to be something where oh you gotta worry about the opt-outs you have to worry every week that there are going to be stories just like the ones we've seen this week so let's move on to our guests this week we're going to start off with the reigning national football league mvp um as you know look that i I've, i've really kind of grown a little bit fond of lamar jackson early on in his nfl career um, he is a, he just wants to be great in the worst, worst way. I think you'll hear it from him when you listen to Lamar Jackson. Happy to be joined this week on the podcast by Lamar Jackson, the National Football League Most Valuable Player for 2019, the uh, cover subject of the new Madden game. And as rated by the players of the National Football League, the top rated player by NFL Network in the NFL. Lamar, I mean, I mean, you hear all that stuff. Are you a little bit blown away at all the things that have happened to you so young in your life?
1: Uh, no, not really. You know, um, because I'm, I'm trying to change these rings right now. I'm trying to, you know, win a playoff game. Uh, I got so much other things on my mind right now, so I really don't get to dwell on anything like that, like about the athletes and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's all team
0: awards at the end of the day. Without my teammates, you know, none of that's possible. You've, you've sort of, people who know you well have said that about you in your life. And I remember asking you once last year about, sort of the meaning what would it mean to you to win the MVP and you immediately said you know the only thing that you're concerned about is winning the Super Bowl how did you get that way
1: uh probably when I was younger because like you know I don't I want MVP my first year ever playing football um I thought it was cool but like at the end of the day we really didn't accommodate anything like as a team you know we got put out um, where we won a playoff game. Actually, we won the Super Bowl my first, or my first year playing. Um, then we got to the Orange Bowl playoffs. We won one game and then we lost the playoff game. So then I come back. uh went to playoffs game. I break my hand in the third round. And probably like my fourth year playing in youth football, I won the Super Bowl. And I felt like that was the best time of my life. Like, and I felt like the whole team was MVP. Like, we didn't even care about the awards. The coach was like, "Do you want to go to Disney World? Or you want the rings?" Oh, the whole team was like, "We want our rings," like, and I just, <laughs> and I still got my um Super Bowl ring, So, I just always felt like Super Bowls is what I want to do. Like, no matter what, I just want to win Super Bowls.
0: How old were you when you won the Super Bowl down in Miami? Um, eleven years old. Wow! And it was called the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was in um
1: 2008 uh, at Dillard High School.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that. It's, here we are twelve years later, and you still feel the same way. I feel the same way. Yes, sir. Yeah. Did you watch the Super Bowl last year? Um. no, I didn't. Um. I watched the
1: highlights like after the game. I was. Why didn't out. you watch? Why didn't you watch? Uh, I felt like we should have been there. You know, like we were so hard throughout the season, and to
0: fall short unexpectedly is like I don't want to watch that. I feel like we should have been there. Do you remember what you did that day on Super Bowl Sunday?
1: Uh, I think I was I was on break like because, you know, down there I had to – we did the MVP thing. Then I had to run around and do do stuff. And I was like, man, I need to pray today. Like, I don't want to go nowhere. I probably like, slept a little bit that day. And I just chilled.
0: That was interesting because you were awarded the MVP basically in your hometown. Yeah. How did that feel?
1: Oh, it felt good, but I, I really didn't want to be there because I wanted to be somewhere else, like getting prepared for the Super Bowl instead of winning the award. Like, I, I'd rather have a speech on video. Like, I'm sorry I couldn't be there because, because you know, <laughs> the game, but I had to be there. I really didn't want to be on stage, so it is what it is. Yeah.
0: I didn't even think of that. I would have thought you would have been so excited that here you are in your hometown getting the highest individual award in the biggest game in America, uh, and yet a- you you weren't that excited about it.
1: No, I, um, I was excited, you know, because we was able to bring something back to Baltimore, but not what I wanted, you know, so,
0: yeah. Um, uh, A friend of yours told me that the week after you lost the playoff game last year at home, when you lost to Tennessee, that you were just really miserable and you were very, very unhappy. Tell me what it was like. In the days or the week after you guys lost that game,
1: like it was just dull in the city. Like it was like, well, in my house it was like, dead. like, I turn on Netflix, probably sleep the day away, probably do the same thing and the next. I didn't even want to play video games, and like, I, I, I love video games, but I didn't, I didn't want to play video games. I didn't want to go anywhere. Like, I was ticked off. It's like, man, we're supposed to be still going on like right now. We're supposed to be getting prepared for the Chiefs. Like. But, like I said, it is what it is. Can't dwell on it now. It's a new season.
0: What is your go-to Netflix show? You have a couple?
1: Uh, I like Criminal Minds. I like watching Criminal Minds. Um, what else?
0: Um, right now, it's just Criminal Minds. Pretty good. Uh, Lamar, I wonder, you know, when you look at what you've accomplished so far in the NFL, in the regular season, you're 19-3, uh, 42 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You clearly have deserved all of the accolades that you've gotten. But I wonder, when you look at what has happened two straight Januarys at home, losing first to the Chargers and then last year to Tennessee, does that leave a bitter taste in your mouth?
1: Yeah, like I just want to get back to that situation so I can perform different, perform at a high level, just put it on my shoulders and go from there. You just got to fight to get back in that same situation. It's going to be a different result this time.
0: How much have you watched film of yourself from last year, not just the playoff game, but some of the great moments you have, you you had, and – Tell me what, if anything, you've studied. What have you learned from watching Lamar Jackson in
1: 2019? Yeah, uh, honest, I, I really don't watch like myself like that. Like the good things I do, no, I, I just try to get better on the things I, I didn't do well on, like an interception. Like, oh, I should have threw that pass. I should have threw it here. or oh, I should have went there. Like, go through my reads differently, stuff like that. I really don't dwell on like the good things because I, I feel like I should be able to do those things. Like that, that's why I'm at the position I am right now.
0: If you look at your game right now, a lot of people would watch you and say, well, there's probably not a lot you have to improve on, but you come into 2020. What are the things that you and your coaches are focused on so that you would play even better in 2020?
1: Uh, timing. Uh, Outbreaking Rocks. Um passes downfield, like, just hitting a lot more passes downfield. You know, we got all the intermediate passes down packed really, but it's just like we we be wanting a lot more big plays. And our big plays come from sometimes short or middle of the field. Sometimes uh, I feel like we need to start hitting some bombs, big post stuff
0: like that a lot. So and and how about is there any uh, do you have any hesitation, any reticence whatsoever about how much you have run? And do you want to cut back on that at all in an effort to try to save yourself for a long career?
1: Uh, I, I feel like I, um, I know how to, you know, run the ball um, when I have to. Um, Coach is going to do a good job at that. You know, I'm, I'm focused on winning and we're going to do whatever it takes to win, you know, because it's it's based on what the defense gives us. We going to take advantage of that. Uh, if they give me the opportunity to run, I will. Then I get down, get out of bounds like I, like I have been. I feel like I've been playing the safe so far, so I don't really take hits like people think I do.
0: You know, y- you have been very, very open, and you you just were here in talking about, you know, how how much you want to win a Super Bowl, how much you want to win a championship, and yet – here we are in the middle of the summer. You got training camp in front of you. It's going to be an odd training camp, obviously, but you got training camp in front of you, and you got six months before the Super Bowl is even going to be played. Is it at all difficult for you to sort of, you know, put into these little categories? Okay, I can't worry about the Super Bowl now. I just got to worry about this practice or this drill or whatever. Or, do you find yourself kind of always thinking about the Super
1: Bowl? No, um, uh, you know, um, only think about it when I have to talk about it, you know. But um, I'm focused on the Browns right now, you know. I'm focused on trying to get better. i um, prepared because you can't overlook your opponents, you know. I'm trying to focus on them. Um, that's our biggest, biggest like focus right now. We got to beat them, you know. Trying to be one and zero when we first start the season. We're trying to be four and zero in September, you know. We're trying to we're trying to win games.
0: It's basically been about six months between the time you last played football and, and now a little more than six months. And it's been the strangest off season that I've ever seen covering the game. And I wonder as a player, what has this off season been like and how have you, you know, how have you done football stuff when no organized football was available?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm just like you, Mr. Peter. You know, it was very awkward. It was very weird. We, we couldn't be places. Um, we had to be inside certain time, especially in Florida. You know, they was closing things down for us. Um, sometimes my teammates couldn't fly in, so we had to just make the best of it. Like, the guys who stayed in Florida, I worked those guys. But the time when they was letting us, you know, fly and stuff, a couple guys flew down, a few rookies flew down, and we, we got our grind on, we worked. Um, and I feel like our team would be a lot better as well this year as it was last year.
0: What else did you do this off season?
1: Uh, I, I work when I can, and I just—I guess I just
0: quarantined. Uh, I stayed away from everything and stay safe. <laughs> just followed the rules. Were you in Florida most of the time? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. And so, what has it been like? I mean, look—I live in Brooklyn. At the beginning, like in March and April, this is where it all was. There's a there's a hospital less than a mile from my house that had those trailers in the back of it, the refrigerated trailers, because they had so many bodies, you yeah. know, and, and, but that but now we're okay. And obviously I watched the news and now it looks like Florida is on fire, Texas, Arizona, yeah. some other places. So what was it like for you and how, how careful were you in the off season to avoid you know, crowded places and things like that?
1: I didn't really go out to, um, you know, like, I didn't go out to parties, stuff like that. I don't feel like I should be celebrating anything no time soon, you know. Um, they was telling us to stay inside, you know, keep your mask on, keep your hand sanitizing. and that's what I did. I just followed those directions. Um, I just played it safe. I just stayed with the people, the same people I was with, you know, from January on or February on since I was done
0: there. Was it boring or was it okay? It was boring because, you
1: know, I was missing football, I was missing OTAs. I wanted to get out, get outside and play with my guys, like, you know, go out there, throw, play catch and stuff like that. It was like, man, like, when are we going to be able to go back? And we started waiting for the call. They were telling us, yeah, we might have a chance. Then they'd be like, yeah, just wait on it. We're going to have to see come June. I'm like, yeah, leave. We're, gonna, we're never going to play football this year. So <laughs> but, you know, we got the call. We got a report. You know, July, it was, it was great. I just, I'm happy to be back right now.
0: Who who did you throw to in the offseason? Did you get to throw to Hollywood Brown and yes, and some of your some of your guys? What what was that like? Who did you throw to?
1: Uh I threw to Hollywood Brown. I threw Miles. Um I threw the I threw to um I couldn't throw to Mark because you know he was in um, Arizona and that's when stuff was you know it was what it was. Um I threw to a, a lot of the rookies. Threw to that's the, um, Mark
0: Andrews, right? Mark Andrews, right? Mm-hmm, Mark Andrews
1: not Mark yeah. Andrews. Um, I actually threw yeah. Mark Ingram. Um, I threw the Willie Sneed, um, who was James Roche, um, Devin, uh, Mookie, uh, Jalen. I, I was throwing to those guys, so it, it was pretty good. Got, got a few throws yeah. in, got looking good. That's it.
0: And what did you do? Just throw it a local high school or college?
1: Um, Open fields. Like, it was like little parks out there in Hollywood. We went down to Hollywood and... Because that's where I was at the time. Through there, through Fort Lauderdale, at an Open Fields, some field I don't even know the name of it. Went out there, people didn't bother us, so we just, just went out there and got some grinding.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong. Did you ever throw to Antonio Brown? Yes, I
1: did. I did. Yeah, I did.
0: throw to He him. wants to play football pretty bad, doesn't
1: he? Uh, yeah. He he he's a, a record He is. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand for myself.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And he still, he still has it, doesn't he? I don't
1: think he lost it at all. <laughs> Probably even better than he was. I don't know.
0: You know, I told people, you know, just think of it. His last game with the Steelers, I think it was 14 catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns. And then he shows up in New England. He catches a touchdown pass, the only game he plays with New England right down in Miami. And uh, I just talked to somebody who knows him well this week. and. They said, he's, he's not giving up the dream. You know, he really wants, he, he, he wants one more shot, you know? So I believe so. Um, so I wanted just to ask you just a couple of things about the way the sport is right now. And just, I mean, what's your total gut feeling? It's very early in the process You know, there are going to be some guys who test positive. Clearly, there already have been. But, I mean, as you sit here, football's a contact sport. Guys breathing on each other. Uh, Guys sweating on each other. Can this work?
1: Uh, I feel so they follow the right protocols. Um, I feel here in our organization, we have been, you know, keeping our six feet distance, using hand sanitizer, keeping our mask on in the building, stuff like that. Um, we've been pretty good. You know, they touched us every day to make sure no one's had contact with the COVID-19, um, but I can't speak for um, other organizations, so they just, I feel like they should follow the same protocols, and if not, I, I guess it is what it is. It's on Mr. Roger Goodell. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know I me? Mean? <laughs> I think everybody basically is doing something similar to what you guys are doing. I saw the Vikings facility a couple of weeks ago, and I left there and I said, "Man, you can eat off the floor in this place. It's um, I, wouldn't,
1: you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that because you know we gotta come from <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come from my style. You know, the, the bottom of your feet probably has germs on
0: it. Relatively speaking, you can eat off the floor. But anyway, yeah. in other words, it was pretty clean. <laughs> um Now." As far as, are you gonna wear that face shield on the helmet or the mouth guard uh, right there? Do you know?
1: I, I, I wouldn't do that because I, I couldn't breathe with it on. I tried, I couldn't breathe with it, and I, you know, we have to speak. You know, the quarterbacks, we got to yeah. speak things out there on the field. We got to make checks and stuff. So I don't know. And if guys have asthma and stuff like that, I doubt it'll work. I'm
0: just yeah. How about just in terms of the day-to-day thing around your facility? I I talked to Pete Carroll the other day, and one of the things he said is that the backup quarterback is not going to be in the room with Russell Wilson. You know, he's going to keep those guys separated. So I'm assuming the backup guy is going to be on, you know, on Zoom or whatever watching the quarterback meetings. But how separated are you guys going to be?
1: Uh, We keep our distance. You know, we have marks on the ground, six feet marks for us when we we're in the building and in our meeting rooms. So we've been, we've been good. And we have little clickers to make sure because they'll let you know like it'll go off if you guys are too close or we too close to each other, it'll go off and let them know like
0: <laughs> we doing too much, we're too close to each other, so yeah. Do you have that proximity detector with you right now? Yep. Where is it? It's right here. And you, and so and where do you keep that exactly? In your pocket?
1: Well, it's actually on my shirt from when we recognized oh, it. Oh, it is.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you keep it there the whole day, and then at the end of the day, when you leave, you hand it to we one do. of your COVID officials? Um. Yes, we do. Yeah. And then we leave.
1: We'd be already separated, so we don't be with each other in a line giving it to them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. and 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 does it, if you get too close to somebody, what happens? It starts beeping. Or uh, beeping red, like when we're too close to each other. Oh, it does.
1: Yeah. See, right now I'm, I'm not close to anyone, so it's good. It's not going off at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, last thing I would ask you, um, before your head hits the pillow every night, how much do you think about January and February football ever? I think about it
1: a lot, to be honest with you, because that's where I want to
0: be. Like,
1: that's when everything is—it it gets crucial. You know, it's, it's tough. And I remember um, after my rookie season, or before my rookie season playoff game, LaDarius Blunt, he he dm me on um, Instagram. He was like, you know, playoffs is different from from regular season. No, like, nah, I don't think so, but it is because it's when to go home. And I'm tired of going home and I don't want to go home. So I just can't wait to get back in that same spot and perform at a whole nother level.
0: Well, I hope the NFL season goes off as planned, it plays two hundred and fifty-six regular season games, and then plays playoff football in part because I'm really excited about seeing you get back and seeing how you handle January a little bit different this year. I think it'll be fun. Yes,
1: sir. I appreciate that.
0: I'm with you. Lamar Jackson, thanks so much for joining me. I wish you the best. And unlike the last two years when I got to hang out with you a little bit down in Baltimore, it doesn't look like that'll happen this year, <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll chat occasionally.
1: We got to keep uh, social distancing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, all the best to you. I appreciate you. And now the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh, on many topics, including Lamar You know, John, I, I really want to start with the fact that this year, it's almost like the football part of training camp. Nobody's really thinking about that as much as the logistic part of training camp and trying to find ways that everybody can make it to opening day unscathed and i wonder what has that been like as you for a coach you i mean you want to win the super bowl you know and normally in the course of a year you're thinking about what are we doing to put ourselves in the best position to be cleveland on opening day and now all these other things have sort of fogged your field of view. Explain what that's like for a head
2: coach. Well, that's a great point and and you know it's 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 we can't afford not to be thinking about those things the, the football things. I mean, the coaches maybe the coaches are the only ones and the players I do believe who are thinking about that. So it's really just kind of on top and then also intertwined with all the other considerations that we have in terms of just getting to the you know getting the opportunity to play. You know, we 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 we've been talking a lot here in the last week Everything's changed as far as our calendar, as far as when you can practice, where you can practice, how you can practice, who can practice, when, how many minutes, how long you can walk through, when you can meet. To go along with all the other protocols that go with the COVID protection, it's been really a challenge to build the just to build the calendar and the daily schedules. And then within that, you've got to build all your situational football and all your training. How much are you are going to practice without preseason games in terms of tackling, blocking, live work, scrimmage work? you know, how we're going, what we're going to install, how much we can install, what we can afford to install this year. Those are really, all those things are still going through coaches' mind because as you know, you know, if we succeed and I believe we will to get to the point where we're playing football, we have to play well. We want to, we want to go out there and (laughs) ourselves well, we want to be prepared. And as coaches, it's our jobs to prepare our team. So make sure our guys are ready to go. And that's, I, I, I promise you on all the, all the 32 head coaches and all the assistant coaches, that's a big part of what we're all thinking about.
0: You know, it's its also got to be a very significant thing for you. Everybody decries preseason games and nobody loves them, but now here you are having none. So what has been your decision about how to replicate some of the scenarios you can see in preseason games, particularly for the – I don't know, pick a number, 35, 40, 45 guys on your roster who you don't know
2: if they're going to be on your team or not. That's exactly right. And, you know, we, we have, there's already 10 less, or there will be, depends. We we've, we've gone to 80. There's 320 less players uh, that are going to have an opportunity to make it in the national football league. And that gets lost a little bit in the mix. And, you know, you understand the, the reasoning mathematically, uh, and in and theory and, and even practically, but Yogi Berra said, you know, in theory, practice and theory are the same, but in practice, they're not. And it was, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Yogi Berra, right? It was hard to talk to those 10 guys about why they're not going to get their shot and they've earned it. And these guys are even guys that sign small signing bonuses sometimes and even veteran players. So there's, there are a lot of ramifications to this whole thing. And uh, we've got to give these guys a chance to make, we, we don't want to miss out on players either. So, You know, how do we script those situations and they need to be kind of really competitive like they would be in games as much as possible? A to get our team ready, especially to get our young guys ready, and then not to miss out on the the you know those guys that are not in the 53-man roster right now to give them a chance to see if they can make the team. Give them give them an opportunity.
0: Do you think your experience of being a head coach for you know 12 or 13 years in the NFL is an advantage in sort of a crazy year like this, or you know, is is Joe Judge uh, uh, the same as John Harbaugh this year? Do you think? I mean, mm-hmm. is there an advantage to being sort of a veteran guy?
2: Uh, I hope so, <laughs> you know. And Joe hopes not, you know. Uh, we'll have to see how that plans that plays out. But uh, you know, experience always helps. I mean, you do have a. You know, guys like Bill Belichick and, and you know, who've been around around forever. Mike Zimmer, who's been in the league all these years and Sean and Mike Tomlin, you know, we, you know, Ron Rivera been texting with Ron Rivera this morning about some ideas on meetings. But these are these are um, these are these are you have to have a kind of a sense or it helps to have a sense of really what does matter and what can be what you can forego. Maybe make some wise decisions along those lines. Uh, I don't know. I hope so. We'll see. Uh, you know, it's more of a college type training camp calendar as, as, as we put it together. It's not the, you know, we haven't had a college. I haven't been, I hadn't been part of a college training camp for 23 years. Um, but now I, my brother's doing it now. So that helps a little bit, but how you, how you build that, uh, that three week, basically practice window up to your first game going into the first game, Peter is going to be so, so interesting because you're not going to know anything. You're not, you have an idea. I'll, I'll watch, tra- I'll watch tape of all the teams in preseason. You get it. You get a good sense of kind of what they're where they're going schematically and who they are personnel wise. There's none of that now. You're going to go into that game having no idea really where you are as a football team, just like college. You know, just like the college teams and open up and play their first game for real. That's going to be us this year.
0: Yeah, I heard Bill Belichick say that the other day. That uh, when somebody was asking him about no preseason games, he said college football doesn't have any preseason games either they they just play what what would you say John if you were to isolate on one or two things has been the toughest uh for you guys to deal with as an organization uh, knowing that you know on obviously in week 1 of the season you want to hit the ground running
2: uh the uh, the, uh, the i'd say the first toughest thing is just um the the building and all the changes of operating you know we're operating we're coaching with masks We're we're lifting weights with masks. We've got the weight room divided up and broken up in different areas. All the logistics have been really a challenge. I gotta give our organization credit, Steve. uh, Dick Cass has been incredible, our team president, but everybody's worked so hard. We built built, uh, cafeterias out. Our cafeteria's been built out three times as large. Meeting rooms spaced out. We do have a lot of space. We put dots and lines and, man, everything you can think of everywhere. Everybody, I mean, like you saw me with the wipes, it's, it's what we're doing, you know, because we want to protect each other. That's been one thing. And then the second thing has been the organization of the training camp itself and making sure everybody's in the right spot, you know, to make use of the time we have. I don't want to have a lot of dead time. I want to get our guys ready. But uh, but there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of rules that got put in place that we have to follow, and rightly so. So, you know, those are the logistical aspects of it are the biggest things. The other part, the players being ready to go and excited, players I think are concerned and you see in the negotiations, they, they asked all the right questions and, and and got a lot of great things I think through, which really helped us. So I give the players association, a lot of credit there and the players on the committee, JC Treader and company did a great job of that. Um, But the guys want to play. I mean, there are a few guys opting out. We had two guys opt out, totally respect their decisions. And uh, they did the right thing for their families. Uh, The guys I've seen who are here, man, they they want to play football and they're excited to start practice. So, that part of it's been pretty easy. You know, it also
0: – I want to ask you two football things. Uh, I wonder, basically, it was six and a half months that you did not have your hands on your players, you know. And the last time you coached a game, obviously it was a huge disappointment for your organization and for you, uh, for, for your quarterback, when you lost the playoff game to Tennessee. But how did you attempt in that period of time to have some sense of normalcy around your team?
2: Well, a lot of communication, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the, the phone is really a valuable tool and uh, texting is a big, is a big part with our guys. Young guys like to text. Um, we, uh, we had the zoom, we had the stuff we're doing right now with the podcast, Peter, we, we did that with our guys. We had, Zoom meetings. We had Zoom workouts. Our guys were in workouts all through the off season with, uh, with Zoom. Steve Saunders, our strength coach, and his staff did a great job with that, and our guys worked really hard. So that was. Did a- your
0: did your strength coaches actually watch players work out, and did they have interactive kind of workout sessions with
2: players? Yeah, that's how we did it. You know, we built the whole program as if uh, well, we didn't have the equipment. We had to do a lot of it with bands and and whatever equipment different guys had. So they had to really work hard to get, we got our players in different groups based on really what kind of equipment they had access to. And then we put them into different workout groups that way. So they were, you know, they had the cameras and tripods and and we were talking back and forth. We did it with coaches twice a week. We had two coaches workouts twice a week. So I was able to see how that kind of worked. And they were tough workouts, man. They were, they were challenging. So we really went, <clears throat> I think, above and beyond. We really did everything we possibly could do to keep the connections with our players really just from a process standpoint, a work a work ethic kind of standpoint and try, try to do with the jobs of, of football uh, remotely as much as we could. And so I feel like we did a good job of that. We'll see how it pays off here.
0: It, You know, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about Lamar Jackson. You know, he's the MVP of the league and then uh, you guys as a team and he don't play very well in that playoff game. And I wonder how much discussion have you had with him about that game? What are you able to discern from that game that maybe you guys learned from?
2: Well, I, I mean, I, you know, we, he and I've talked about it pretty much every time we talk, you know, it comes up in some form or fashion. So we've talked about it a lot. I don't think we've had any like, you know, you know, w- you know, defining moments where the heavens opened up. You know, we 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 know what happened. It's simple. It's it's pretty simple in terms of how we played the game. Um and and you know, plays get made, plays don't get made. Our opponent, Tennessee, played great. They played a they played a really solid, well played, Mike Variable type football game. I, I thought I thought uh, you know, they just they just they were physical and tough and they blocked and they tackled and they threw and they caught. And they played special teams really well and they beat us. So that's what it is. And it happens in football. Uh, So we're not, you know, we're not, we're not re questioning everything, but we learn, I think, from experience, you know, Um, that's what, that's what uh, a a culture is. It's shared experience, shared understanding. So by sharing that experience, I think we share an understanding of of how we grow going forward and uh, become better, you know, in those situations. But but long before we get back to that situation, we've got to get back to that situation. So, We've got to focus on having a good training camp, the best we can possibly have, and then playing well in September.
0: One other question about you and Lamar Jackson. He uh, he talks very highly of his relationship with you. He talks about how you listen to him, uh, which uh, obviously a coach is going to listen to the quarterback, but not just you know in a meeting-type situation, but during games. I wonder, John, can you remember a time during a game last year, preferably, but but maybe the previous year, where he comes to the sidelines and convinces you of something, or you have a discussion about something, and maybe you change your mind about what you want to do based on what you see in him?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, honestly, it, it happens every game in, in some degree, and certainly Kind of in every practice, you know, you're having those running conversations. So again, that shared understanding, experience, and vision is kind of it. Just goes with the territory, I think. Lamar is so, I mean, he's easy to communicate with because he's such an open person, and he's honest, and he and he's passionate, and he wants to be great, and not afraid to tell you what he thinks, you know. And I try to make sure he's not afraid to tell me what he thinks. So, the Seattle game is the biggest example of it, where you know he had we'd gone from third and fourteen to like third and two and a half. And uh, you really don't expect on third and thirteen to be going for it on fourth down, so it really wasn't on my mind. My mind was to get the field goal team out there, and he scrambles and makes a ridiculously great play, gets the ball down to, to uh, third and two inside the ten. And I kind of, I kind of just felt like ah, it's a little long for fourth and two. I kind of, I think we were gonna maybe go up by six or I can't remember exact score, but it was, we were gonna get a, a, a little lead there. Maybe we we're gonna, maybe we we're gonna go up by three. Maybe we were tied, but. Um, it was, it was, and he was winded. I felt like it's like, gosh, you know, he, he just ran, ran that play. Maybe kick it. You got to make a decision in a second. And it was a, it was a U-turn a little bit. Um, So he's coming off the field. And I could just see in his face, man, he was so ticked off, you know. And and uh, I'm, I'm what, like, what?
0: He's so he's so ticked off that that he thinks you're going for the field goal.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like like we're surrendering, you know. I could just <laughs> say anything to me, just look at me. And I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, you what? You want you want to go for it? You know, <laughs> he's like. Heck yeah. You know, he might've said something else and I want to go for it. And, and then, and then, so right then I just, I said, and I, I just clicked, I mean, I don't know, just go for it, you know? So I said, go for it. And, uh, and uh, maybe, maybe we called timeout. So I had to run down and call timeout because the play clock was ticking down. And uh, then I heard him go to Marshall. You want to go for it? You know, cause he, he's like thinking he's so honest, you know, he's thinking, am I right? You know, so he's got to check with Marshall and uh, Marshall, Marshall's like, heck yeah, we need to go for this. So, you know when your players feel that way it, it you know it's easy but there have been other times peter where he's wanted to do things or change plays or do something else that you know we've we've said no we can't do that this is why we're doing something else and he's great about that too he just he's he's part of the team you know and that's what i love about him john why does why does baltimore
0: love this guy so much
2: oh man um you know it's 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 the country too okay so let me share this with you and it, and for these reasons, or so we go to Cleveland and um, and we go to Los Angeles, okay, for the Monday night game. And uh, TJ Husmanjata comes out to the field. You know, I haven't seen him for a while. We text every now and then. It's like, man, what's up? You know, we're hugging. He goes, Hey, go, what are you doing here? He goes, Well, he goes, I didn't know you guys were playing the Rams three weeks ago. Uh, Monday night, I, I wasn't keeping up that closely with what's you know going forward. My 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 nine year old son came up and told me Lamar's coming to town, Daddy. We got to go see Lamar play. How about that? <laughs> so then his son was over there to sign it. he came over and he, and he, and he got to meet Lamar. Then we go to Cleveland and, uh, and I've got a, a good friend of mine. He's a high school coach at Wapakoneta high school, you yeah. know, over on the uh, highway 75 and uh, down of 10,000 people. And uh, he wants to bring his, 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 his boys and their friends. So, so I get to meet these kids uh, after the game and uh, listen, they're, they're Ohio farm kids. There is, blonde haired and blue eyed as you could ever see. And I, I said, I said, uh, who's your favorite team? You know, and I know they're Browns fans. You know, he goes, they go Ravens. I'm like, Ravens really? Why? Why? And they think they go, they go all four of them at the same time, Lamar, you know, Lamar. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it's just, it's, 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 it's made us into a more national team because he's, he's that kind of guy. The same reason that Baltimore loves him too. He's honest. He's, he's genuine. He's real. You know, he's just a good, he's a good guy he's 22 years old i don't want to make more of it than it is you know um he's likable he he wants he keeps it simple you know he, he keeps it about football i think he understands his his way of making a mark is to make a mark where god put him which is a, as a quarterback and and in our times i mean you know Peter if, if we want to dig into this thing very many layers and and facets to this conversation about lamar and he is kind of in the center of this I don't say storm opportunity storm reality of 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 our of our world right now, in very symbolic kind of ways, very meaningful ways, and he just handles it so just great, you know, humbly and genuinely, and he and he, and he cares about, he loves people at the same time, and but he doesn't back down, he's not afraid to be who he is, or wh- how he feels like what he was called to be, you know, and, and I think people see that, they see that genuineness in him.
0: I look. I have no idea about demographics. I don't know what uh, what the um, what the numbers would say about this, but this is just my sense. You know, coming to a Ravens game three or four years ago, the crowd to me seemed ninety five percent white. And last year, I went to your game against the Patriots. And I bet it was 25% or 30% black. And I just said this this crowd is starting to look a little bit more like this city, you Mm -hmm. know, and this region. And I again I have no idea if that's if that's true or not. And I'm sure you're not sitting there on draft day a few years or a couple of years ago saying, well, let's take Lamar Jackson because he's black. But but clearly there seems to have been a major response in your city to the fact that you've got Lamar Jackson, you know, a black quarterback sort of leading your team.
2: Yeah, it really is cool. And it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's about race because you know, everything's about everything and race is a big part of everything, but, but that's not why we took him. We took him because we believed in him as a quarterback and as a person and as a, you know, future face of the franchise. And uh, I can tell you, uh, black or white, you know, you, you visit in, here, in our area, you got Baltimore City and Baltimore County. And hey, there's a there's a there's a lot of, you know, African-Americans who live in Baltimore County. And there's a lot of, you know, white people that live in, in Baltimore City, you know, so but the demographics are what they are. So there's a little bit of a, a just like most cities in America, it's kind of built this way. And, and there are other kind of cultural differences and divides and economic differences and divides that that, that are realities. But I can tell you, the Baltimore County area, they love Lamar. You know, the Baltimore City, they love Lamar. PG County, they love Lamar. Howard County, they love Lamar. He, he transcends all that. But also bringing Baltimore City more into our stadium. So we would have two uh, stadium practices every summer. And I've had tears. I've had actually been – I've actually had tears and been choked up driving into these summer practices many times because most all of that crowd – is African American. Eh, you know, I, I shouldn't most. It's probably 50-50 because, but, but it's it's free and it's local. And from a demographic standpoint, socioeconomically, that's an opportunity to get into the NFL stadium to see that, to walk in and see that green, that purple and that green, that beautiful stadium, uh, for free. Okay. And I see dads and moms. I can remember, I can remember driving to the stadium and seeing a, a dad, you know, with a, with his, with his Ravens, his kids with their Ravens jerseys and they're the, they're not the expensive ones either, you know, and he's holding his kids' hands two hours before the practice starts and they're walking to the stadium. I get chills thinking about it to this day, the pride that I know that man felt to take his kids into the stadium, all right, to be a part, to, to, to be able to do that for his kids, for his boys and, and. And, and you know, I just think that's 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 sports, man. That's where we have a chance to, to change things and, re, and unite people. And you know, to get on a stage and, and to make a statement is one thing, but just to live it and to, and to create an opportunity is another thing. And and um, all of our eyes are more open to all of these kind of issues. But and it's not it's it's socioeconomic, it's race, it's it's single parent families, it's education, it's all these things. And for you know to to create opportunities to get people in our stadium is big. And it's so expensive to come to a game, Peter, you know, maybe we can need to do more to create opportunities, but, but Lamar is bringing more, uh, you know, more minority fans, more black fans into the stadium for sure. And you're right. That night you saw it better than I did, but that was a powerful night. That was a powerful, powerful thing. If, if, uh, if you think of it in those terms, man, thanks for bringing that up.
0: You know, yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't going to ask you this, but it just it 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 sort of rung in my head when I talked to Lamar uh, this week. One of the things he said to me was, "I said, man, it must have been really cool to be the MVP and to accept the Most Valuable Player award in your hometown. You know, surrounded by the people who love you. You know, in Miami, and." It was – he didn't respond the way I thought he would respond. I thought he would say, oh, man, you know, the lifetime dream, all that stuff. He's bitter that he's not in the Super Bowl, you know. And and he said it's – for me, it's – obviously, and I'm paraphrasing him. I'm sure he loves winning the MVP. Who wouldn't? But for him, he was really unhappy that he wasn't in the game the next day in Miami rather than winning some, some award. So that that must be something that you uh, like about him, especially the sort of team emphasis.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he's, he, he football is the ultimate team sport, Peter. And, uh, and I would say Lamar Jackson is the ultimate t- team player. I mean, that, that's exactly how he sees it. Now you're right. You know, someday, He's going to look back on that. And that's that's going to be one of those moments that, man, he's going to cherish it. When he was I saw him beforehand, we happened to be there was different stages for these different events. And I was down there and I was walking with some friends and we were we were coming across the hotel. And I saw Lamar standing with his mom in front of his hotel, which was next to the hotel that we were at. And uh, and he was waiting for the car to pick him up to take him to whatever he had to go to. And he had, he had his, he his like his orange or purple jacket with a, with the, 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 the the lion or the, the the African wild dog in the back. And and he was like, he had this look on his face, like he was tolerating this and his mom has a big smile on her face, you know? So I, I feel like, you know, it was, it was, he got it more than he did because, you know, she's, she's our age. She's been down the roads a little bit and understands the meaning of it. But Lamar, he, he enjoyed it and it did mean something to him, but, and I think to his teammates, you know, cause he, he, he did feel like they were part of it. And he said that, but no, nah, man, he was just, he was, he even said it, coach coach, you know, we, we gotta be playing. We gotta be playing in this game. We should be playing in this game. That's all he carries around with him. You know, 24, seven, of course, as a kid coach, I love it.
0: You know, I'll end with this. Um, you not only have to worry about, um, coming back and, uh, And playing great again this year, you not only have to worry about surviving COVID, um, you know, you not only have to worry about this weird training camp and and all this other stuff, but I also think something big that happened this offseason that every coach in the league is going to have to be concerned about to some degree and is going to have to figure out how to handle, and that is the death of George Floyd. And, you know, Black Lives Matter. We've seen how in baseball and in basketball, uh, you know, players have handled it. It's become a significantly important event in the lives of so many players in sports. And clearly with the vast majority of NFL players being Black and the meaning to them, have you thought much about how your team is going to handle that this year, and what will happen during the anthem, and how you will help your players sort of recognize what that all means at this moment in
2: history. Absolutely, I mean you have to, and uh, it's not—it's not like all of a sudden though this has appeared, Peter. You know, this is this is something that we've been we have especially in you know with our team, our team since since 2016 and 2017 in London. This has been a topic for us for, uh, you know, for many years. So this is not new. I think it's uh, it's it's great and good that it's it's in the forefront of our minds. I, I hate the the reason for it, but the fact that it is is because we have a problem, you know. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, it's 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 not it's not something that uh, I think is all of a sudden we've got to deal with. I mean, we've been having these conversations for for at least four years here in our building, and our position my position personally as a human being or as a coach, a man hasn't changed and our our organization has stood firm with what we believe. And we took a lot of criticism for it, um, three years ago. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, from, you know, even, even our, even fans and stuff like that. And, and I'm glad, I think now, I, I think we're in a better place because I think there's a much better understanding in our country about the the, the message that guys are, are are the, the, the statement that they're making. And the reason they're making it, and why they're making it, and, and these are, you know, I would say 100 percent of the players that I've talked to, they love America, and they just they want and expect America to to uh, to uh, to um, be re, to redeem itself into the value. To use the words of John Lewis, to redeem themselves into what it was created to be, and that's all of our should be all of our goal. So how we go about doing it or symbolizing it or. Or messaging it, the statements that we make are are each individual person's to make, and that's a, that's a position we've had in Baltimore from the day it happened in London in in 2017 until now, and, and that'll continue to be uh, where we stand on it.
0: John Harbaugh, really appreciate you taking all this time, and uh, I mean it's kind of an interesting time both in football and in society, and I uh, appreciate you
2: touching on all these topics. My pleasure, Peter. You're the best. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on.
0: My thanks to Lamar Jackson. My thanks to John Harbaugh for a very Raven centric podcast this week. Um, you know, in some weeks, I'm going to give you players. In some weeks, uh, I'm going to give you people around the league. And I will try to keep you as current on this podcast about everything football and non football as I really think you need to be for this season. For so many other good podcasts, you got to go to the NBC Sports YouTube page. Uh, You can see the Chris Sims Unbutton podcast. I continue to rave about his podcast uh, that he had with Kyle Shanahan. They're old pals from their days at the University of Texas. I talked about it a little bit last week. If you haven't heard it, please go listen to that one. It's really good. You'll also listen to Mike Florio's PFT PM podcast, and you'll see a lot more of our podcasts, Mike Florio, uh, Chris Sims. And also, you got to listen to some Mike Tirico podcasts. Uh, they are gold. But I'll be back with another Peter King podcast next week right here. Don't know what it's going to be. Let's see what happens in the coming days in the NFL. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And we'll see you next week.